God is good all the time. Pardon? <laughs> all the time, God is good. And if he's not, we're all in trouble. You know, it's good, isn't it? It's good, isn't it? That is true. God is good all the time. So when we start going, God, why have you done this to me? Why have you done that to me? That's not true, is it? Because God is good. Because if he's not good, he isn't God. Now, that doesn't mean other stuff doesn't happen. Wonderful. We heard Chris's testimony last week, week before, about keep your freedom prayer appointment stuff, and actually, when you look back, you go, oh, yeah, <laughs> essentially, isn't it? And here, immediate breakthrough. Small steps, but huge steps, but small steps, but huge. It's, that's wonderful. It's wonderful. I'm going to do something I never do. Because I hate it when people do this to me, but I'm going to do it to you. Could you turn to the person next to you, please? If it's your spouse, then good luck with that one. You can do it. You can do it in a three if you need to. That's fine. If the numbers don't quite work out. Question: All you need to do is share. There. I was about to say there's no right answer. Of course there is, but there's no right answer in the discussion. Okay? Just a couple of minutes. When you hear the word eternity, what do you think of? Okie doke. Just thought you needed a few moments just to share your ignorance, share, share your understanding. I wonder how many of you use the word that Chris just used to me. He just said something to me, and I said, "That's what I'm expecting people not to say," because it's what I want to focus on. <laughs> How many people, have, how many of you, you, when you're thinking about eternity, how many of you thought? Now. There's always one, and it's normally the vicar's wife. Isn't it? <laughs> no one. Now. Normally when we think of eternity, we think future. It's an eternity. It's a long time. It's into the future. It's projection. Eternal. So, if something is eternal, it goes on. For, it goes on from ever. But, but of course, we are so. The way we think is so in our own heads. And please, that's not wrong. We all do it. It's, I'm not sure it's what God wants us to do, but, it, but we all do it. That we we think from now onwards. But actually, eternity goes backwards as well. Anybody do the past for eternity? Yay. Silver medal. Chris gets the gold, of course. And the rest of us did on into eternity, yeah? If something is eternal, it always has been. Is and always will be. 
God has been the same yesterday, today, until he changes tomorrow. Sorry, and tomorrow. But our experience of God and our understanding of God is continually changing. Not because he's changing, but because we're going deeper into him, because we're understanding more of him, we're experiencing more of him, we're sharing more of him. Eternity. You know, when you're in worship, I hope you all know this, if you don't, find this place, if you can, and you just find yourself gone, and you don't know what's around you. And in fact, in that moment, you don't realize you're standing on a precipice about, <laughs> you start to rock gently and everybody else goes, oh, they're going to fall over down this. Or you can't hear what's going on. You don't, you don't really hear, where's he gone? He's up there. You don't really hear Johnny, but you do, but you don't. And you're just in that moment. You know where you are, don't you? You're in eternity. Because we are eternal beings. We're designed to be eternal. And when we connect with the eternal God, there is a moment where eternity touches now. The incarnation is the perfect example of that. Where the eternal God becomes flesh and is. And we are all many incarnations. Sounds like heresy. No, it's not. Do you believe, you know, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? We can believe one thing, but then when you do the logical ramification of it, we all go, whoa, whoa, whoa. no. Does Christ dwell in your heart? So you're a mini incarnation. Well, actually, you're not a mini incarnation. You're a full incarnation. Because does part of Christ dwell in you or does his fullness dwell in you? We know this stuff. But we know this stuff, but we need to be reminded of this stuff. Eternity. You are eternity. Doesn't feel like it, but you are. Hold that thought in your head. Hold that thought in your head. We're going to look into Hebrews chapter 9 in a moment. When God strikes a deal with his people, there's a special word for it. Do you know what it is? A covenant. A covenant is a promise that provokes a response. And the response, listen carefully, the response activates our experience of that promise. It doesn't make the promise happen, because the promise is sovereign. But our response activates our experience of that. And in the Old Testament, those of you in business, have you ever heard the phrase, or any of you heard the phrase, cutting a deal? Yeah? We cut a deal. That's straight from the Bible. Because the Old Covenants were done by cutting up animals and shedding their blood as an offering. And you'd cut them in half. And what, there's one section 
I was going to do it, but I thought, yeah, forget it. A friend of mine did this once with, was it Mars bars and, and packets of crisps and, and a donut or something instead of, I think he was just hungry when he did it, but that's fine. So you would cut the, animal, the animals between, the animals of a, a, a bird or a lamb or whatever it was, you'd lay them on the, on, on the ground in front of the altar, and then the two people making the agreement would walk between those animals. It's about the blood being, it's, it's a sealed in the blood of the sacrifice. Okay? And literally the deal, the covenant was cut. That's where the phrase comes from. The new covenant that God has made for us is eternal. The old covenant has gone. Not that it's disappeared, but it has been surpassed. It has been fulfilled. Literally, it has been filled full. The old covenant, the old agreement came so that we could be a aware of our sin you know and there's various covenants in the old testament with abraham with noah there's several that go on but essentially for us we got the law to make it clear that we were being naughty and it turned our back on god but that's only half the problem isn't it and what i want to encourage you to do this morning is to make sure we're living from the right side of the cross We've just been through Easter. Uh, thank you. Easter morning service is cracking turnout, and it just sort of inked in the decision. <laughs> We'd already made, but it was like, yeah, you know what? This works. This really does work. But then Good Friday as well. That was that was a that was a good time, a, a different type of service. But often, as Bible believing evangelical Christians, we get stuck on Good Friday. We're all a bunch of dirty, rotten sinners. And we, we live, we say Jesus has saved us, and then we live under the law. We say, I'm free in Christ, but I better behave myself, otherwise God won't be pleased with me. God is pleased with you all the time. He doesn't always like what we do, think, say, but that doesn't mean he's cross with us. Disappointed, wanting us to change, loving us so much he'll reach in and say, "Let's so we do this differently this time." But, 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 the new covenant is eternal, and it's been cut for us because Jesus died on the cross, and it's in His blood. <laughs> So it's actually fulfilled all the Old Testament requirements. And a new covenant has been cut for us. And if we... Living... Believing the new covenant, but living as if we're under the old covenant, right? It's still is like trying to use francs in France. Or Deutschmarks in Germany. You know, these were legal tender. These were amazing. But are worth diddly squat now. Technical phrase. 
both a technical, economic, and theological phrase. Because yeah? we need the right currency. So guess what? When we are struggling to live according to the law, when we are struggling to live in our own strength, when we're struggling to keep the rules, when we're struggling to be religious, it doesn't work. We can't buy food in France with francs. We can't live in the kingdom according to the old covenant. We've got to live in the freedom of Christ. Otherwise we will starve. And we won't get anything to drink. No red wine for it, sorry. <laughs> I'm being slightly facetious, but you get, you get what I'm saying? But we still do it. We still live according to the old covenant rules. Ready? I'm, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up if you still live according to the old covenant rules. Watch my hand. Do we still live according to the old covenant rules? Of course we do. Because our whole way of thinking has been... We've got to keep the law. We've got, we've, got to, we've, got to, we've got to be good boys and girls. Only good boys and... was it? Every good boy deserves food. Or was that just mine? What's that? Everybody goes, it's fun. Well, same difference as food, isn't it? Fruit? Football? What might, for those of you who are look, going looking at it and say, what the heck are they talking about? These are the notes on the stave of music. Treble clef stave. Um, EGBDF, every good boy deserves. Uh, one, there's problems with it because it's every good boy. But anyway, moving on. <laughs> that was 50 years ago I learned to read music. 50 plus years ago I learned to... Oh my goodness. <laughs> it's happening. Rules. 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 Then I discovered jazz. We still sort of had rules, but you can be free. Wow. Awesome. A lot of you going, jazz, boring. But hey, I don't care. We've got to live in the freedom. The rules still give us a framework. The rules still show us what the boundaries are. But we live free. Not to keep the rules, but to do what the rules say because we love the Lord. So I get to the passage without help. <laughs> you know, you said, I said we had freedom not to stick to the plan. There you go. Hebrews 9, 11 to 15. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, is not a part of this creation. Happy accident this morning. I, was, I don't do this very often. I had the morning service on the radio as I was going to the 8 o'clock. Well, going to arrive late at the 8 o'clock. This actually is the lectionary reading for the day. <laughs> Who knew when I picked it? But <laughs> there we go. When Christ came as high priest, so the mediator, the one who brings about these things, of the good things that are to come, he went through the greater... Is that what it says? Hmm. So is the Christian faith all about pie in the sky when we die? Or is it steak on a plate while we wait? <laughs> Come on, I've just given you an either or. The answer is yes. yes. Have you not heard that one before? That's an old one. It's a really old one. I quite fancy having steak on a plate while I wait and then having the apple crumble in the sky when I die. That would be fine. 
Dry apple pie. As long as there's custard, I'm happy. You know, it's fun. <laughs> the high priest has come, past tense, for the things that are now already here. Whoa, heaven is in my heart. For those of you old enough to remember that far back, heaven is here. Heaven is here. Do you know how I know? Because I'm looking at Richard. Heaven is here. Don't say a word. <laughs> you know? I'm looking at Marcus. Heaven is already here. I look in the mirror. And I clench my teeth and go, heaven is already here. <laughs> it's hard to see it in ourselves. But it's true. If we're born again, we've responded to the new covenant offer. The promise has been made. The deal has already been cut for us in the blood. And we've gone, yeah, okay. I was about to say, I'll buy into that. But you don't have to buy anything. It's give. It's a gift. I'll, I'll, I'll join in. Please, Lord. Yes, let me receive that. And we get that with the gospel. We get that for salvation. But now it's true for the rest of life. And he went through the great and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, it's not part of this creation. Jesus is, this is what I was trying to say on Easter Sunday morning. Jesus has gone through the, because the whole of Hebrews is looking back at the Old Testament, Old Testament language to do with sacrifice. But Jesus has dealt with it in the tabernacle, the temple that isn't physical. It's the spiritual tabernacle. He's done the deal with his blood in the spiritual realms. That which is not made by human hand. It's done. It's sorted. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves. He entered by the most, the most holy place once for all by his own blood. So it wasn't this partial blood of the sacrifices... It was the fully effective blood of Jesus. The old way of doing it was like a pre-echo of what was to come. That one perfect sacrifice given once for all, entered into the most holy of places once, what does it say? Into the most holy place once for all. Now does that mean once for all time? Or does it mean once for all everybody? And the problem is the Greek there suggests both. So again, I think Paul, whoever is writing this, is deliberately trying to say both things at once. And Jesus' sacrifice, his blood, is perfectly available for every single person who's ever lived on this planet. It's effective for all of them but only is effective in practice for those who respond to him. So does Jesus save the whole world? Yes. Is the whole world saved? No. Is that Jesus' fault? No, because he's done everything to save the world. It's the world's choice. Oh, you Christians, you just, you just push people out and say, well, you're not saved, you're not part of the elect. No, 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 we want you to be part of the elect, we want you to be saved, it's your choice. You are choosing to be outside. Jesus is the mediator. We already have these things. He has done it because he is the second Adam. 
Right, next, next bit. Where are we? The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. It's always about the out. Religion is always about the outside, how it looks. If you feel yourself going, oh, I'm not sure what that's going to look like. I'm not sure if that is, looks the right way of doing things. I'm not sure if that is. Then look, look for the religion that's manifesting in and through you. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself unblemished to God? He's the second Adam. Adam was supposed to be without sin and didn't manage it. Jesus is the second Adam and offers himself as a sacrifice unblemished, unblemished to God. May he, his blood will cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death. I'll come to that phrase in a minute. So that we may serve the living God. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Remember, this, there's this dynamic going on of we've already here, it's already here, but we need to receive it because we need to receive, we need to receive what we already have. Because we need, yeah, that whole thing. Every time I think I've preached, I've preached that too many times, it comes up again in the passage. So it's like, sorry, it, it's just there. It's just there all the time. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. The first covenant didn't deal with the sin, it showed us the sin. The second covenant sorts it. His blood. It cleanses our consciences. That's quite a weak word in English. Our conscience is the way we think about life and death. But if you look into the Greek, into that word, it actually means it cleanses our, it cleanses our core. It cleanses that which motivates our actions. Which sort of our consciences do. Try and find another word <laughs> to translate it. The translator's got a difficult time there. But it's, it cleanses us from within for the things that we do. That's a deep cleanse. That's a huge change. That's a huge change. This bit about the dead works, consciences from acts that lead to death. Let's just read this whole passage through in the message version. The message isn't a translation. It's a devotional approach to it. It's one person's idea, but it can help us. When the Messiah arrived, high priest of the superior things of this new covenant, he bypassed the old tent and its trappings in this created world and went straight into heaven's tent, the true holy place. You see how Peterson's trying to get us to, to lift our eyes away from the earthly. And he did it once and for all. He also, But he doesn't try and translate that. He leaves that. For us to understand. He also bypassed the sacrifices consisting of goat and calf blood, instead using his own blood as the price to set us free once and for all. If that animal blood and the other rituals of purification were effective in cleaning up certain matters of our religion and behaviour, think how much more the blood of Christ cleans up our whole lives inside and out. Through the Spirit, Christ offered himself as an unblemished sacrifice. Here's the phrase freeing us from all those dead-end efforts to make ourselves respectable so that we can live all out for God. I just love that phrase. 
Freeing us from all those dead-end efforts to make us respectable. Too much of the culture around us is about being respectable and being seen to be respectable. We've just got to shake it. We've got to shake it off. Christ has come that we might be transformed. And this covenant is eternal. You know that eternity thing that we started with, and we defined it as now? Our thinking needs to be eternal. Our doing needs to be eternal. Our speaking needs to be eternal. Right now. In the moment. Doesn't mean we can't relax. Doesn't mean we can't have fun. Watch the cricket. Whatever it is. But are we choosing to engage in the covenant? Christ has freed us from needing to do those dead-end things, those dead rituals. Sitting listening to Chris do the Book of Common Prayer this morning, it's beautiful, but it doesn't bring life. The songs we sing are gorgeous wherever he is. I'm not calling Johnny Gorgeous. Well, I I might. (laughs) But they don't bring us life. It's our relationship with him that matters. Being in one building doesn't matter. It's all dead-end ritual in the end. What matters? And do you know what else matters? More and more and more. More and more and more and more. Don't worry. Do you mind? What matters, it doesn't matter how different we are. Do we look different? Are we related? Careful. Are we related? Yes. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. What matters, can you face that way, mate? Is not that we do our faith like this. Turn back. But we do our faith like this. Thank you. I didn't warn her. We do it together. That matters so much. Because you know what? Individually and separated off, we'll fall over. We'll get knocked. Our thinking will get... And together we can go, come on, let's go. Yep, give us a hug. Let's stand up together. I'll wait for you. You can't feed us. I'll feed you for a bit. Do you, do you know what I mean? We just do that thing. That is how family should function. But it's also how family should function. Christ has set us free from doing it on our own, from doing the dead end efforts. He's sprinkled our conscience. He's cleared us up. And do you know what? It's eternal. The promise under the new covenant is the same yesterday today and forever it won't change Aidan Ruth a week before the breakthrough was God any different and any loving and any less promising breakthrough no the moment it happens you begin you experience a bit more of that 
But it doesn't mean he wasn't. And it doesn't mean he won't be. Because he is. The definition of eternity is that God is permanently. We're going to finish with this last thing. The whole point of this is we can live all out for God. We're going to live all out for God. And we need to choose that. We've got a full inheritance. We've been cleansed. I want to ask us just to take a moment and say, okay, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your blood, Jesus. Thank you for cleansing us. Thank you for the reality of the new the new deal that's been cut for us. He gave all of himself for me. And I'm willing to say, and if you'll join me, I give all of myself for him. In praise, in worship, I choose to be a living sacrifice to the glory of God. He gave all of himself for me. I give all of myself to him, a living sacrifice for the glory of God.